Namaste, motherfuckers, and welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 59, Eric Manweller, a.k.a. Eric Hunter of Eric Hunter and the Distractions. I don't know if he ever uses that outside of the stage name or not, never asked him, but uh, that's who my guest is this week on Tantric Conversation. I'm your host, Curtis Payne, and uh, it's been an interesting kind of couple weeks since uh, talking to Chip and lots of other people and breaking open books that I haven't broken open in a while and then getting out of the house and going toe-to-toe with reality in a way that I haven't in a while. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the, uh, the demiurge and I've looked it up a little bit. You know, I first encountered the term in and uh, preface to the Gnostic Bible, which I've just been kind of fucking with lately. I wouldn't say I've been reading it. My reading goes like this. I lay down on my bed, I open up a book, I read about three pages, and I fall into delicious slumber. So I don't get very far with reading. Um, but these little bits that I've examined from that are pretty interesting that the Gnostics think that the uh, the guy that was walking around, that was fucking with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, is the demiurge, and he is a he's not the transcendent God. He's just a sort of a, a lesser deity who uh, is kind of stuck in the material plane, material world. In fact, in the I think in the Platonic tradition or uh, or some other mythology, I can't even remember who it was. I was reading last night that he was he's created by Sophia, the goddess of wisdom, and she just wanted to make a baby, but then it was so monstrous that she encased it in a cloud in a little throne and wouldn't, didn't want anybody to see it, and, and so the demiurge isolated on its throne in its cloud uh, could only, only knew itself and thought it was the only thing and was the omniscient being, so it set about creating people in the world and all of this illusion and all of this material stuff and uh, was not aware that outside of the cloud in which he exists there's uh, a transcendent universe and uh, as I'm saying this I realize I hadn't thought about this honestly before I started talking that that's kind of a great metaphor for existence at least my existence and I've been in a cloud you know and I tend to go around in a cloud especially you know living alone and not having interaction, like, fun, you know, deep interaction with people. I mean, I have superficial interaction with people all day, like, you know, around business and work. But really sitting down and having a heart-to-heart like I have with Eric here and like I have with Chip last week. And then the talks that happen after the mics turn off, these are really great things for me. But they only happen, like, once a week. And uh, last weekend I went out and went to see Eric's band and Horsehead and couple other bands at the camel and got to talk to a lot of people and also got to see somebody get busted upside the head well i didn't see him get busted upside the head i saw it afterwards it's actually eric's guitar player get hit in the head with a bottle or something i don't know that's a whole other story ask about that and then i went to the uh what was it something pleasure festival at the broadberry which was like six bands either end of the thing it was really cool but i also like i had some great interactions with people and then i had some interactions with people that said hey man you know you don't you got a full sense of 
what's going on outside of your head and outside of your little universe, your little cloud with your little throne at home. And sometimes it's a bitch to go out there and find out you ain't who you think you are or not everybody's picking up what you're laying down. And uh, it kind of fucked with me over the weekend. I laid up on Sunday and there were other issues. You know, an ex- ex-girlfriend came around and set off a grenade in my house and not literally, but uh, figuratively, emotionally. I was grappling with all that shit, man, and I just went down. I was like, I'm couch boy for the rest of Sunday. Chinese food and cable. But then after kind of recovering from that, all of this sort of in-your-faceness of emotion, I started to get back into what is my intuitive understanding of the world outside the little cloud that is my head and the universe that is outside the cloud that is my head. And, and that's the purpose of all of this shit that we get into talking about on this podcast. Is that, you know, some of it I would have characterized as airy-fairy horse shit many years ago. But now I see it really as the essence of constantly challenging your perceptions, which can get really fucking stuck. And when you get really stuck in your perceptions and you get really isolated in them, that is the trapdoor to insanity. And it has been for me. And uh, I like just entertaining possibilities, expanding what I think I know, you know, flirting with what I don't know, what and the intuitive things that point at what I do know that I don't know I know, and all humans know that we don't know we know. Um, so these conversations are great, and this Eric Eric one was really especially cool for me because we I felt like we had we related on a lot of stuff and especially afterwards and uh you know um i hope you guys enjoy it so let's let's move on into the man no wait that sounds creepy let's begin the podcast tiny bit so it just wasn't cool to drink right it, i didn't drink till i was about 21 and um i think uh Bring that mic in, like, so that it's closer here. Yeah. And, and, and About right here? Yeah. You're in the right... Is it the is the right part of it facing towards you? The uh, the MXL yeah, facing. Yeah, it is facing. Yeah. Good. So is that good? Yeah, I think so. so. The, From what I understand the about these things, which is not a lot, it's still a process of trial and error. It's all good, man. So what do you want to talk about today? Well, we're going to just... We'll just start... Oh, it looks like I actually already started. Oh, okay. So. You were saying about so you had the hardcore. Huh? You came well, up with that. Well, I wasn't nece- not necessarily. I'll I'll back up a little bit on that. All right. That's um. My uh my sister Katie um she dated a, a guy um bass player in in a a local hardcore straight edge band. Yes, local um, to where? From uh from Richmond. Uh huh. Which one? Um, Four Walls Falling oh, back okay. in the day. Which bass was, was it? Steel? Uh, was it the, the, well, he, that was the singer. But wasn't his brother? And um, Bo? Did Taylor and Bo both in the band at one point? I don't remember. I don't know who the bass player was. Um, but anyway, so so that kind of got me onto the um, into a certain group in high school right you know and um and it was it just wasn't cool to drink or do drugs right and it's 
you know, they, I guess they would, uh, instead, you know, throw their fists in the air right. and, and go and, you know, go wreak some havoc. Yeah. Uh, and and it's the, so the straight, the, it wasn't just that those guys were all being straight edge. They also expected other people to, there was a certain amount of, I seem to remember there's a little bit of an intimidation. Factor. I, I guess. I mean, I, you know, they. I always joke that they they had three X's and I only had two. You know, <laughs> but I, you know, I'd, um, I, I guess you know, in in music terms, I um, I got out of that genre for you know fairly quickly, and I really took a liking to math rock. Mm-hmm. And in uh, the scheme of things. And was so you're you were you grew up around. Around Richmond, then, I did, right? Yeah. So you, mm-hmm. that was the same incubator, basically. Like the 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 math rock thing kind of came out of the same place that the that yeah. the hardcore thing was kind of what was winding. Like so well, a lot of the, there's a lot of crossover, like of guys and yeah, bands. Yeah, I guess and, so. I guess so because you had, um, you know, Richmond had I think in 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 that time frame. We're talking late nineties or, or late eighties. I'm sorry, 90s. late eighties. Yeah. yeah, good grief. What what decade is it now? <laughs> um, yeah, um, I guess you had a splintering, and you know, you had the hardcore thing going on there, and then you had the math rock thing going on mm-hmm. there, and you know, and I would at at sixteen, fifteen, sixteen, you know, when there was still wasn't a curfew law, uh, or there wasn't a curfew law yet in in Richmond. Um, you know, I would be going to see King Sour on one night and then buzz up and on the next night, yeah. you know. How and, old are uh, you now? Uh, 37. 37, okay. Yeah. So we're, damn, we're almost 10 years apart. I'm 44. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I was thinking, cause I was in college when, you know, when that was happening. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, even yeah. actually, I think I was out when Buzz Oven started. But Right, right. Yeah. Right, right. So um, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I didn't think about it until you were talking about it. Though it's it's like I've had I had Taylor Steele on here. Oh yeah, you know, okay, great. And various people like Tannen Penland and okay. uh, and Sean Harris and mm-hmm, various mm-hmm. you know they're kind of yeah. because I didn't I, I I didn't like I was afraid of the hardcore thing. Like I was a panty waist Marymount boy. I was too. You know, yeah, I hung around too. girls all the time and I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't handle the. It just seemed like I don't know. Not only was I kind of afraid of the, that situation, but it didn't it didn't really speak to me like right. that music at all. It right. seemed very um, linear. Yeah. To me. Well, it and, it didn't. I mean, you know, I I can't tell you. I mean, I, I probably went to I don't know a hundred shows, but I I couldn't really tell you that I I really you know just despite the seven inches that I had here and right. there, you know. Um, I fell out of that stuff pretty quickly, and so I can't really, you know, we could sit there and talk right. about it, and I can vaguely remember. So, right. you know, that really was. But it is, it is kind of interesting that it's like the incubator. It like, I don't know, it's like Trinity High School is one of them, and it's actually, yeah, it's guys from the suburbs, and they, they, some of them split off and are doing like four walls falling and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, and mm-hmm. others it's honor roll, and then honor roll goes to breadwinner, and then it's. Butterglove and it's all of that right. kind of stuff. And, right, right. But Penn right. was initially in doing that kind of mm-hmm, thing, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, I, I think you know, and the, and they're a little older than me, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I was kind of at that point, I was kind of looking at them with stars. The in my kid eyes. brother of the the band yeah. chick. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the gr- <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So I mean, you know, like, and I, and at that time, I was still learning how to play guitar a little bit, and I and I was so unpopular with all those guys because I had a Stratocaster. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "You're not joining my band, man. You know, that's, you got a Strat." And I'm like, right. you know. And uh, but my, you know, my roots were still in kind of a classic rock kind of thing. Right. You know, still, Eric Clapton yeah. and Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yeah, and, and yeah. David Gilmour. Yeah. All playing Stratocasters. Oh yeah. Man, yeah. I I like the Stratocaster too. And whenever I think about like the kind of music I like to play is not that kind of music, but yeah. I like to play Stratocasters. Yeah, I like the way yeah. they feel, and I've I'm always feel self conscious about that. You know, yeah. I, I I let my uh, other guitar player uh, in my band now. Um, you know, he he's a gearhead, so mm-hmm. it's like. You know what? I'm okay with the strat now. I'm okay with that. You know, there's there's a tone for that. You know, there's a time for it. Yeah. And uh, besides, if you put a Seymour Duncan hot rail in it, it it's like a humbucker, and right. you can get the same right. kind of shit. But it's just it's just a sexier. I mean, the guitar feels better against your body. Like all of those Gibsons it, it, are it, very yeah, boxy. Yeah. yeah. You know, and yeah. hard edged. Right. You know. Right. Right. That's true. Yeah. So that's when you started playing guitar in high school? Uh, actually in middle school. Middle school. Yeah, I started when I was about twelve. And um, was that when you um? And what were you doing? Were you initially playing along to um, comfortably numb and? No, I never really numb? got into. I didn't really get into Pink Floyd. You know. Um. Later on, I kind of got into the Sid Barrett mm-hmm. era of Pink Floyd, but it was more. Um, my sister got me into Jimi Hendrix and Jimi Hendrix was like, I mean, I was obsessed with Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. um, at 12 years old, you know, I, I think I had my, my room was about the size of your room here mm-hmm. growing up and you know, wall to wall, ceiling to floor Hendrix posters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, That's a good obsession to have. You know, um, it got me into some interesting sounds. I mean, you know, when I was 12, I I think I had this Strat copy with a with a whammy bar. I wanted it cuz it had a whammy bar. Uh-huh. Know? And I had this little tiny amp. I didn't know how to play yet, and so I would just the the amp was like this Dean Markley thing that took batteries and and you would just you'd clip it on your belt or whatever, or right. set it, you know. And it was, you know, about the size of a lunchbox. I remember those things. And, right. And um and I had a distortion thing on there, and and so I just learned to set the guitar down on my bed and set the amp on top of the guitar and leave the room and see what kind of sounds I would make. <laughs> and uh, and then you know, and and shortly after that, which was funny, you know, and then my my sister was like, "Hey, you should check out Jimi Hendrix." And, Oh, so you were doing that before? I was. I was, oh. I was like, oh, this, you know, oh, and then you came up then, with this on your own, right? Like, right. I was like, I'm ah, a genius. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a 12 year old genius. Getting into the feedback and then, and, the, uh-huh. and, and all of a sudden, up oh, some some guy beat me to the punch. Um, <laughs> and and that you know that and, sounds and, like something Thurston Moore would do too. Right, you know? right, right. So it's a shame. Which I is, a, you know, that's a, there's. I, I also like at some point like eschewed and the guys like you know the David Gilmores and the Eric Clapton's and you know, just decided all of that stuff was FM radio mm-hmm. bunk and passe and mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I like in the 90s I was living in East Village and I heard Band of Gypsies and that kind of right. re, you know reinvigorated uh, Jimi Hendrix for me. And mm-hmm. then I saw Live at Pompeii, which I managed never to see up until that point. Okay, and watched them 
playing, you know, pre Dark Side of the Moon right. stuff. Right. Jam like as a big yeah, you know, experimental saw, rock yeah, band. I mean like yeah. and David Gilmore's sitting in the dirt with a bunch right. of pedals and right, he's like right, right. you know, he's got his guitar laying flat and he's rubbing shit over the strings. Right, 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 right. Had no idea. I mean, you know, that's much more Thurston Moorish than mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So um but yeah, that was where you know, where kind of my roots lie, I guess. And then when, how did it evolve um, from there? You know, I, 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 I teetered with the hardcore stuff for a little bit. Still had the Strat, though. So I had a, um, I was taking lessons at Virginia Music. Place, like a guitar um, store? Yeah. A real mom-and-pop guitar store. Mm-hmm. And um, I took lessons there for about six years. And around the time I was 16, 17, I, I realized, well, I'm not getting any, in any bands. Um, <laughs> so I might as, I, I need to do something. So I I gutted my guitar that I had at that point. And it was a guitar I got from Guitar Works. It was like called a Biscayne 6. Mm-hmm. And I refinished it, I, you know, stripped it down. And I bought some humbuckers finally, and I got them to fit. And I got this guy... No, was, Do you put them? You put regular humbuckers I in that. Um, yeah, I, I bought all. Cut the, it out. I, I bought all the. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, here I am with the. I had a drill and I was mm-hmm. drilling in. You know, to make it fit. And I had a guy um, at uh, Virginia Music put this guitar together for me. And it was at the end of it. I said, I want a stereo guitar with all knobs, no switches. <laughs> <laughs> and it, the thing, the thing had, and it had, um, you know, these huge humbuckers and these PAF, you know, humbuckers that were just obnoxiously. And what is it? Is a different jack in there to make it stereo? Like, so you would there have to plug two, it. Actually, it was two jacks. Okay. Okay. And then it was a knob, and he put a, a stereo knob in there, so I could kind of stereo one a little bit you know make it a little uh-huh. louder over here a little louder over there so then and you would what plug into a combo amp i, and I then... had i had at that point i had a <laughs> don't even remember i think i had like a rolling jazz chorus and a, a P, some, some some sort of awesome pv amp yeah. at the time and, and you know with eight thousand knobs and switches and, uh-huh and uh, so you'd it, have both amps going. I at probably the had the worst tone ever on the planet, <laughs> but I felt like, well, you know, now I'm in the big leagues because I have a humbucker pickup, and and that's that's when I started getting into more, I guess, more of the math rock stuff mm-hmm. because I had more of the sustain and um, going on. And, what was your uh, draw to that? The technicality, I think, mm-hmm. of it. And. When I was doing, when I was taking lessons with, uh, from guitar lessons, I started getting into a little bit of jazz, mm-hmm. and, um, I never, which never really clicked with me. Mm-hmm. But I guess sort of the that kind of off timing, right? More like the bebop thing, with like with right. Thelonious Monk, like do. right, just the things that would start and stop, you know, right. off time. That struck a unpredictable uh, right that that kind of struck a a a little you know light bulb in my Mm -hmm. head and um and so that gave way to my later teens to when uh, i guess uh still kind of into the hard you know i was still going to shows downtown obviously and and um still going to you know the show of the week twisters or whatever but and I started getting into like emo stuff started mm-hmm. popping up, like Sunny Day Real Estate mm-hmm. started getting bigger, and you know that was you know right when I was eighteen and right when I was, you know, at my 
heart bleeding heart loneliest you know yeah. of you know teenaged angst and and yeah. that to me was like oh it's it's overdriven guitar but you know it's so emotional yeah oh it speaks so and man you know and and that was to me like a turning point for for you know like that you could be angular right. and muscular and all that, but you could have that grandeur and right. you know. Yeah. That record, the live in Portland one, is the only one I really okay. have listened to. I think that's what it's called. It's like a, like a kind of a, a pencil drawing on the front and a marquee. I think I had that. Yeah. And it's mostly yeah. stuff from. I don't even know the names of all right. the records, but right. I, I just got it to review for Punchline. Right. Right. Day, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And I yeah. loved it, like because yeah. it's it's so like. It is, I mean, it is so emotional and like lush, but it's like there's all this great, like there's great riffs and it's all guitar, bass and drum, but yet it's got all this atmosphere and all of this uh, depth to it. Right. And this falsetto dramatic. Oh scene, yeah, I mean, it? it's all it's all about <laughs> drama and it's all about you know, I, I I could and I listen to it in nostalgia now, but for a while there, I just you know after. After that era, I just couldn't listen to that. Kind yeah, of. it's funny how you, you know, associated too hard with a phase, right? Of your life. And you know, and for a while there, you know, like back to Jimi Hendrix, I didn't listen to Jimi Hendrix yeah. for a long time because you know I just was on to you know upward and onward to mm-hmm. other stuff, and you know, um, you know, gosh, from there, I guess I went back to my um kind of mathy roots, mm-hmm. and that's when I, was, I started a band called Peru. Yeah, I, that, I remember and, Peru. Um, that was that was when I met you. You were yeah in Peru. yeah that was late 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 nineties early two thousand right yeah. so that's when we yeah and that's so that was I don't when. think I ever heard Peru. I liked the sound of it. I was actually going to ask you to bring oh wow because it's a great band name and uh, it sounds like something I would like. But uh, it was very it was very mathy. It was very I I mean I I really think it was pretty original mm-hmm. you know i mean it was we i guess at that time as well i was me and and the guys that i was surrounding myself with you know we were into um you know the dc scene DeSoto, and and um uh, what was the dc scene then like i the guess late? you know that by then it was like you and not you I don't remember. Um, All I, I knew Jaw, about the you know, kind of Jawbox came... was still still around. Right. I remember the makeup kind of being uh, like right, right, and that was like that was kind of the the glammy part of right. of Discord, you know, and, yeah. the, and that that, and then there was the mathy part. Mm-hmm. Where does Dead Meadow fit into this? That <laughs> would that I think they would have fit in more with. Um, because we played with Dead Meadow, I actually. fucking love them. And that was Joe, Joe Lally's label, uh, Talata or something. They yeah. put out the vinyl of that. And those guys had been a band called the Furious Five right. or something yeah, before that. Right, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. We actually played with them twice. Um, oh, yeah? And I don't know, I don't think it was like their liking because we totally didn't <laughs> fit with them. But yeah. I was totally enamored with them because, uh, you know... Brought back your classic. Yeah, it really did. I mean, you know, and I guess I was a little older by that time, so I was like, "Mm, okay. There could still be a point where I think, because it happened to me, so I'm going to say it's everybody's thing, that you stop thinking it's linear, like that everything is marching towards some kind of progress with music and art and everything else. And you start to go, oh, wait, 
there's a whole bunch of shit from the past that's mm-hmm. relevant now, but I just haven't heard it. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. And, and that's, you know, around that time, I guess, that band Peru broke mm-hmm. up. And at that time, I was kind of exploring back to exploring my classic rock roots mm-hmm. and that 70s vibe i grew my hair down to mm-hmm. you know past my shoulders and got my had a my, rock face my lamb chops were about the mm-hmm. size of lambs and, <laughs> and uh uh you know and i was exploring that side of it what, what what was it that drew besides being something familiar and nostalgic did you well not besides that assuming that that was part of it yeah yeah was it also did was there anything else like a a kind of rebellion against the you know the the way that you know we were you know always moving in ironical directions well i think what did it for me um was just kind of the i was just kind of sick of the scene, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, I remember spending some time in, in D.C. at the time, and I, you know, I would go to the Black Cat. I had some friends that lived up there, so you know, we'd spend the night and uh, go up there. And I remember one time I I, um, I ran into a, a guy uh, in a band who we used to play with all the time in Peru. Mm-hmm. We used to open up for him all the time, and. Um, I, was, I just casually went up to him at at the bar. I was like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" And he he looks right past me. He's like, "I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to them over there." Wow! And just totally disses me, and uh, you know, disses me. And um, I I guess that just did it for me. I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Uh, this pretentious crap is just it's I don't know. It's is it endless. Fucking know. march it, of some it, some kind of that, like I guess that just I think that just put a stamp on the time of me putting up with that pretentious kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, putting a label on anything, and then mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I want to do my own thing. Yeah, I'll explore, you know, going back and looking at my roots and looking forward and looking here and looking there and and you know, um, and that was you know over ten years ago at mm-hmm. this point. And What's the band you're in now called? Uh, Eric Hunter and the Distractions. Oh yeah. And uh, I've seen it on Facebook, and I hadn't made the connection until Tab, my friend Tab, recently yeah. went. You know that's Eric Manweller. You know he calls himself Eric Hunter now in that band, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. <laughs> so this one, you know, the, this new band, I guess, is more. Um, it's just more me than it, I've ever had a band be mm-hmm. me. Um, you have to be in your late thirties to know who me is. I think, I think so, you know? and which is sad. You know? I think it's you part. Think it's of, I think it, that's it, the it, thing. It, it, yeah. I don't think it's sad. I think it's like you got to do all of this stuff where first you're trying to be what your peers are. You know, it's all this. First you got to rebel from your parents, and then you got to try to fit in with your peers. Right. right and then right. at some point you become disillusioned with that constant. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. Um, Because I'm very comfortable with this. And I'm very comfortable writing Mm -hmm. like me. Mm -hmm. It feels like, you know, with Peru, I think I was pretty comfortable writing it. But, you know, that was was me then. And, and, you know, I don't think I... I can't even play guitar like I did then. Mm -hmm. And I I spent almost 10 years after that just playing cowboy chords. And, oh my gosh, you know... We talked about reunions. We've been talking about a reunion for that band for the last five years. I'm like, I just can't do that. <laughs> I can't. I don't even know what I was doing. I, 
Um, but with this, I just feel like it, it's just, it just flows Mm -hmm. and, um, technology has changed a lot since then. So, um, I've done a thing now where with this band, I'm writing everything on garage band Mm -hmm. and I've got drum tracks and a fake bass and, and just guitar and vocals and I'll give them and keys and everything. Mm -hmm. I'll give them the, the stuff and, and they'll learn it and it's it's just so it, it just it, it clicks and they have no problem with it yeah. you know um and if they did you know they'll, they'll of course bring it to the table mm-hmm. but i mean they're my songs and mm-hmm. and they're to a point where since it's computerized and it's so easy to edit that kind of thing yeah i can sit there and you know in, in front of there for hours in front of the computer for hours and and edit something the way i want it mm-hmm and so really it's just kind of my own inner voice saying, okay, yes, this or that and the other thing and, and giving it. Do you, um, I mean, you know, I have this, I, I, I didn't, it took me a long time to start playing music. I didn't start mm-hmm. till I was like 25 or something and I started on guitar and then I started playing drums and it was a complete voyage of exploration, no teacher, right, you know? Right. I mean, like I had friends that right. were also playing and they'd invite me into a room and say, here, play this. Right. And, Try this, and right. and I had a guy say, "Okay, here are the cowboy chords." You know, right. and I wrote them down on a napkin, and right, like, right, right, and and so it all kind of came about like that. And I like I needed it to be like that because I was, you know, really intimidated by actually having to start from square one and learn everything. Right, right. You know, you know, from the letter A, and um, and now you know I've and and I'm only willing to play music or do creative stuff if it gets to be off the cuff. Like I can't right. fucking stand to like work on things and edit things. But this I'm gradually getting more like that with you know and like, okay because this audacity is like Garage Band it's yeah a free version of right same same kind of thing right and right when I started I just was like I don't if I think about having to edit this or fix it or anything like that, right. I'm not going to do it. Right. So then I've just kind of been learning it as I go. Right. So, you know, you obviously, you had a desire to screw things up, like mess with things, like stick the amp on top of the guitar and see what happens. Right. And so there was a, yeah. there was a like, right. I don't care about the rules. I don't care about form and order and all of that kind of stuff. And, and obviously there was an intuitive connection to, the odd or the unnatural yeah. or the non-biorhythmic kind of stuff that, oh, yeah. that surprises. But how do you find the balance between like, you know, wanting that and then also working on something until you feel like you got it? I guess just you know, being, I'm not a perfectionist, I don't think, but I'm, I'm, uh, I guess I'm, I'm more of a tinkerer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, the connection is, is, mm-hmm. is I like to tinker. It's experiment. I like to play. Right. You're you still know? experimenting. You're I like not... to play. And I also like to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I went back to school and I've got my master's degree in, in art education. Oh, wow. After, you know, at, at age 31, after being, you know, out of school for 10 years, I went back and, um, you know, I feel like I am a life lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, I give myself now. I give myself the 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 credit, I suppose, or the you know, uh, I just don't give myself such a hard time anymore. 
give yourself permission to give myself permission to make mistakes Mm -hmm. and and learn from them and and go on. And, um, you know, especially with music, I'm like, you know, I'm never, I don't think I'm ever going to be a millionaire from this. So I might as well have fun with it. And if Mm -hmm. you don't have fun with it, then why are you doing it? Yeah. You know, if you're not willing to give your, you know, 120% to the six people that come see you, Mm Mm-hmm then why do it? And I think that, you know, the, the why for a long time was that you could get rich, but that's kind of you don't, much yeah, more a, a really, remote possibility. You know, and, <laughs> and I don't even, I don't yeah. really care about even being like remotely famous anymore. It's just, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. That's my, my, my motto these days is, is it is, it is what it is. You know? Yeah. Um, and I'm, a. I don't know. I just feel like I'm I'm more comfortable in my shoes now than I ever have been. But I think it is those steps that you have to take. Um, you have to take th- those certain steps in your life, and I don't think they ever line up the way you want them to. Right. But you know, there's a certain amount of of reflection. There's a certain amount of tinker that you have to do, mm-hmm. play, and really true grit to get to mm-hmm. where you want to and being receptive to the um the genius accidents you know the things that are, were not intended right that you you know just occurred right and to re- be able to recognize the value of those kinds of things right. and then right. capitalize on i mean that's my favorite shit like the unplanned awesome you know that's still my my favorite stuff you know mm-hmm. um just those mistakes you know first and foremost i you know i, I feel like i you know, I went to art school to, I, I still owe on, you know, I still owe VCU money for just the, the fact that now I know about, you know, making mistakes is okay mm-hmm. and you learn from them and that makes you a better person. Yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, and I think with music, you know, I, it's, it's just as important with music as it is in as in a, in a painting mm-hmm. where, you know, you, you learn from that spill on your canvas, mm-hmm. you know, or you learn from that wrong note that you meant to hit this one, but you hit that one. Oh, but that one sounds a lot better. There's an old joke. I don't know, or a old saw that the first time's a mistake. The second time's jazz. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, and it, which is funny because for a long time I thought I, I was like, Oh, jazz sucks. Mm-hmm. After, after I learned how to play, you know, a little bit, I was like, Oh no. You know, it's just like, it depends on what you're talking about mm-hmm. when you say jazz, you know, cause yeah. like I despise the crap that like, you know, is what people call it now, you know, which is a form, right? Right. And the th- stuff that was going on when it was bebop and all of that was right. all experimentation. It was all like, who's got the new style? It was like the right. way hip hop was in the right. late 80s, early 90s. Right. Somebody came out with some new shit every so right. often. It was just nobody had ever heard anything right. like that right. before. Right. And they weren't sitting in a... um in a laboratory or pouring over musical charts going, okay, I'm going to do this minor thing here and this, right. whatever they just had, they had gotten so inside out with the standard. Well, they, thing they knew it that, yeah. inside and out. And that's the thing, you know, um, I tell my students all the time, you gotta, you gotta know the rules to break the rules. Right. Right. And, um, 
once and and you know what you know if you're breaking rules without knowing the rules then you know where is that going to lead you you know and I've, i heard that the first time in connection to art like when i was taking a painting class mm-hmm. they, the teacher wouldn't let us paint something like an abstract expressionist kind of right, thing until right. we painted forms and right you know learned how to draw right you know and um and you know the sort of the same thing goes for like you can't play the drums till you learn paradiddles you know well, and you sort of you know yeah I, I well, sort of understand some people that too. See, but you can also just I mean the thing that co- occurs to me is like when you're learning how to talk yeah right yeah you, nobody sits you down and says all right no, you, you got to learn alphabet yeah, first yeah this is a <laughs> right. number one no because you don't you're right and I think no and I think you're right too because you know that that brings to mind I guess my learning style too because you know I was never the type that just I was never lent you know we're talking about linear right linear lineality right being linear and Mm -hmm. I you know with with painting when going back to painting um you know, I, I I was never really into realism. I fell into place when I when I got into painting school, and we were still, you know, and that was still during the very modernist. I mean, we were still very modern style painters, mm-hmm. um, late '90s, you know, mm-hmm. and they were still really pushing that hard. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that that really spoke like to me. Like abstract expressionism, but, modern. Like well, just thing, you know, yeah, just the the modernist. Touching on postmodern, you know, downstairs in the sculpture department, that was a little bit more, you know, cerebral. Mm-hmm. Upstairs was more, you know, I just felt like it was more um, from the gut, mm-hmm. you know, um, a little bit more. And, uh, but that spoke to me at that time, too, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I didn't really have the want to learn how to you know, draw and paint in the classic form until recently. And I think that's kind of how my music style, you mm-hmm. know, turned, uh, but you know, for a while I didn't really want to know this or that. And I didn't want to know, I didn't know how to write a song. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the song structure. I didn't know songs really had structure. Right. I just kind of made it up as I went along. Mm-hmm. And then at one point I started to want to learn how to write a song. Mm-hmm. And and when you t- say song, you mean like actual melody and like you know, kind of not necessarily melody, verse. but like okay, this is the this is definitely the verse, mm-hmm. and there's the there's a pre-chorus before the chorus, and then there's the bridge, and mm-hmm. you know, learning learning a bridge, I think is probably the hardest part of writing a song. Learning it, you mean like te- te- well, I guess teaching it learning to the band. learning how to write a bridge. Uh-huh. And, and so is there. I know what a bridge is, mm-hmm. but is there a formula to it? Is it supposed to like drop an octave, or is it supposed to be in a different key, or is it supposed? I don't to, like, know. You know. I I don't know, but I'm still working on that. I yeah. Because I I still want to put every bridge in A minor for some reason. I love going to A minor. I love going to a minor chord mm-hmm. with, with uh, the bridges. But um, but I think you know I um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine not too long ago about just the bridge uh-huh. and how we think that's one of the most important parts of the song mm-hmm. because it's the summation of the song and you know that and yet it is different from the rest of the song exactly yeah you know but it's like this is what's going this where's is, that confounded this is bridge where it's going down 
Exactly. You know? <laughs> Have you seen the bridge? <laughs> We're nerding out. Oh man! Oh man! Um, I think we've talked. Yeah, we uh, we're talking. I this is this is great. Like, I mean, there ain't no right or wrong way to do it. It's the it's the journey. It's the exploration. Like that's like however you get into it, whatever door you go through, and then you can come at it. Like it's like memento or or like you know great movies aren't linear you know right. there's like a lot that start to, you know times fucked with all that kind of shit doesn't mm-hmm. really matter mm-hmm. I like I couldn't start at the beginning with music but w- the entry point I started at as I started to w- then you know as I started to you know be able to use the tools and get to a certain point then right. I wanted to know more right then I want to go okay so how does this oh wait a minute you mean the G here is also the G. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. You can, you can play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put a capo here, and it's a lot easier to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff I still geek out about. Yeah, yeah and it's kind of wild. Like uh, Keith Richards was talking sometime. He's like, it's this finite thing. It's like there's six strings, so many frets, right. whatever, but there's endless possibilities. Exactly. And, there. and what I've learned as well is, you know... There are a million songs that start, you know, G, C, D, or G, D, C, mm-hmm. but they all sound, you know, totally different. Totally different, or they can. Yeah. You well, know, that's there's, that's there's the a... thing that that you know, when I came up to New York to, um, I didn't go up there for any particular reason other than the exploration. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. I just I romanticized that. Yeah. But I ended up working at, at Matador Records, and like I went yeah. in there as a you know math rock kid right um a metal like damaged like in you know into jesus lizard kind of right like my hard rock sensibilities it evolved but it right. was still really about like heavy and hard and right. loud and like gotten into the melvins and stuff like that yeah and i was i was working you know around really opinionated assholes about music <laughs> like some hardcore and one of the guys was just like look I was always talking about how we had King Sour and we had Breadwinner and yes. we had the Alternatives and we had all of these right. bands. And he's right. like, that stuff's cool and everything, but there's no song. And I went, well, yeah, there is. It's And he goes, hum something. You know, is there anything that you remember? <laughs> you know? And then he and he made that point even more profoundly. With like fucking um, uh, Helmet at right. the time. Uh-huh. He was like... Can you sing any? Can you remember any of the songs off this album that just came out? It was like Aftertaste, and I just uh-huh. listened to it, and I was like, no, I actually can't. <laughs> There's only one Helmet song I can remember, which is uh, In the Meantime, you okay, know, or He yeah. Feels Bad, maybe. There's like two. That album they yeah. actually wrote, but like that's the thing is like this town was very obsessed with stringing riffs together yes. and compositions, yeah. but nobody really was standing above the composition and writing that melody, which is really the thing that. You know the song. Yeah, that, yeah, and and that that's remains a, that's, the same. That's, you know, and, and that's funny. That's that's a big city's you know take. You're like, well, you know, that's that's what New York would totally say, you know, and that's what Matador Records would totally say. I mean, you know, that's what they were peddling, and that's anyway. what they were peddling, and they did it really, and they still do it very well. Um, Although it's completely different. It is tastemakers there. It's Beggars Banquet. They yeah. bought Matador a long time ago, yeah. and it's oh, not yeah. the same people choosing the records and shit. But like, for instance, Guided by Voices right. is presented to me at that point, and I'm like, right. "This is crap! <laughs> like, what the fuck? Why is everybody making such a big deal about this? I don't get it. You know, right. it sounds like shit. Yeah. Like this guy's fake English accent and all this stuff. And then I, I, 
I was like, I've been up for three days, like doing drugs or something. And for some reason, I decided to put B thousand on, and listen to uh, what the hell is this? Just turned itself on. Somebody's that's weird. Um, Siri just got involved for no reason. Sorry, yeah, Siri. Um, but out. I heard Tractor Rape Chain like yeah. in that, and I went, oh, it's these songs. Right. And that this guy just keeps, Tobin's brought him just keep writing song after right. song after song. And they don't even finish them half the time. Right. They're just like, this is like an endless Abbey, uh, end of Abbey Road right. kind of a thing. Right, and, right. And then the really cool thing is you hear them sketched out like on those records, recorded really, you know, minimally right. like, on, on shitty equipment. And then yeah. you go see them live. And it's the opposite experience of what you normally have after hearing somebody record a record really well. Right. And then you go hear them live and it sounds like shit. Right. This is like, the shit sounds the, incredible. Because, yeah, like, because it's 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 polished at that point. Yeah. Well, or, it's just or a it's, full band. You're not hearing it like it's through a tin can. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten well, miles it's, from it's the been, speaker. It's been... Um, yeah, it's been rehearsed a little bit too, I'm sure. Sure. Too. But it's um, the it's the fact of hearing like, you know, they go into Gold Star for Robot Boy. Right. And it's a big sound. It's yeah. you know, full stacks. Right. And, you know. And it isn't this little personal sort of small thing that's right. you know. Right. But uh, how did we get on that? I don't know. I like songwriting. this conversation. The songwriting thing, yeah. yeah. I well, I, I like important. the way this is going. I, I'm I'm really excited to be talking about nostalgic kind of stuff and linear things and and circular things because i mean that's the way i'm i'm living right now and and that's really very pertinent to um yeah again you know the songwriting style that i that i've got because i i really uh i i, I don't i couldn't tell you where where anything comes from anymore mm-hmm. it just it's um it's just there, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I still, I'm a, I'm a huge believer of the best songs come to you and you write, you know, a two minute song in two minutes mm-hmm. and that's your best song. Who said that? Was it Tom Waits or somebody that said something about plucking songs out of the air or, uh, or I don't know. That sounds like something he would say. Yeah. That they're just being you're, yeah. you're, just, you're being handed yeah. out or now I have like a I have another theory about some, you know I have a relationship between uh, songwriting and, and and painting you know because I'm, I'm a painting major obviously mm-hmm. is what we were talking about and, so that's know. what you were doing before so you I went was, back and got when I when I was in in college the first time I was a painting major at VCU and uh, and I felt like I always had what I would call my sketch painting. Mm-hmm. And no matter how big it was or how small it was, it was usually a bigger painting. And it mm-hmm. usually had about seven or eight, 10, 12, 13 ideas on it. Mm-hmm. Never really had a focal point. But it was the painting that I would go to first. It would be the first painting in that in oh, series. Oh, it was like a scratch you know? pad. So it was kind of yeah. like the scratch and yeah. so And so I would take you know that painting and, and I would basically learn from that painting. So, okay, I like what's going on here. So maybe that's going to be the focal point mm-hmm. of this painting that I'm about to do. Or maybe, I, you know, I like the way, oh, the sheen on that side looked really good. And I did something really good. I don't know what I did, but I'm going to try to emulate it. This And that really, you know, mm-hmm. affected me on that. And this is the way it's going to go. And I think, you know, that's kind of how I, 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 I write as mm-hmm. well. Uh, you know, sometimes... 
I you have to have a a a, a, a sketch. So, you have to have a <laughs> sketch song mm-hmm. where you work at it forever, mm-hmm. and things don't quite work out. And it's a song that maybe it takes you a year to finish. Mm-hmm. But in that song, in in doing that, you probably have written five or six, seven, eight, twelve songs from that ex- mm-hmm. one song experience. Yeah, because you're putting all your failures. And all your exciting new discoveries on that one song, mm-hmm. but all these other songs are springing forth from that. Yeah, and those it's are like I the th- sourdough starter. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. got a culture going, yeah. and like you, you just keep feeding that culture. Yeah, yeah. And then you get some pancakes or some bread out of it every so often. Right, like right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah, it's like sort of it's maintaining the uh, the well from which that shit comes from. I think so. Which is yeah. this? It's got to be, and this is one of my favorite fucking like old like drug addled theory things I used to talk about. <laughs> that like it's got to be half. One, the crossroads, right? The mythology right. of the crossroads. One road is discipline. Right. And the other, like Apollonian, like you've learned it, you've right. mastered it, whatever. The other road is chaos. It's right. Bacchus. It's like, you don't know where the fuck it's coming from. You can't, you can't call it forth. You can't make right. it happen. Right. It just, you, it just has to be, you know, capitalized on when it occurs and you have to cultivate that too. Right. You have to have this combination of like fucking insanity, insanity, right. you know, and so you can execute the crazy thing right. when it comes along. So you have to have some mastery and you have to have some, and it has to be a balance of those things. Too much mastery, no idea. You know? Yeah. Too much chaos, no mastery. Yeah. You know? And you, but you can't, you know, but you can't set off. I don't believe that you can set off to start thinking like that, though. No, you can't. You but if you kind of have to come about it. Talk about it. Right, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why we're enjoying talking about this stuff. But yeah, I, I, but I just think that it just has to happen. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know. What do you think about destiny? What do you think about? What do you think about? It's all meant to happen. Like well, it's already predestined or that, predestiny. I that say. is, I would say that. Um, instead of it being like there's a special story just for me that I am in- intended for, right? I would I'd say that it's almost like a, tr- a wordplay trick kind of a thing. Right. Is the way I look at it uh-huh. is like obviously this is what was meant to happen because this is what is happening. Right. You know, and it's really um, it's more about like instead of having an idea that there was supposed to be something else or there's some missed opportunity or whatever right. to really embrace the way things are lining up. Right. And that there is some, I think on the macro scale in which we exist and think, there is some, it's like chaos theory. Right. There's some shit going on that does have some kind of repetitive cyclical order right. to it. Okay. And like... So you learn to sort of you know apply pattern recognition to so that it, shit going so on. So does it come down to perception, personal perception? Oh hell yeah! So that's everything does. So <laughs> yeah, well I mean you know so because I've been struggling with that like because mm-hmm. you know sometimes I'll be like well this just this just happened mm-hmm. and or this just keeps happening. Mm-hmm. And if you stop to think about it, bear with me for a minute. Uh-huh. If you stop to think about it, for you're like, well, something else is going on here. And I'm not talking about like 
you well, know, God, I'm to... not talking about like God is is you know there there's a God there's somebody controlling you with you know little puppet strings or anything like that, but something's trying to get your attention. But a... you know, like you're talking about when we're talking about being, you know, linear versus the big ball string theory. Mm-hmm. You know, is that big ball randomly picked up and squished in in a hand? I think that we don't have any fucking idea, yeah. and the idea of trying to overlay what we call order or right. disorder right. to it is a waste of time. And that, like, you kind of start—it's like a sketch. You when you want to look at this stuff in order to operate, right. right? So you can get your bearings and function. Right. You can think in terms of linear and cyclical and all that kind of shit. Right. But it's, uh, you know. It's also important to step away from that and not get trapped by those the expectations that come with that, right? Or the limitations that come with that of like right. saying, yeah, you know. I think yeah, because you're. I think you're. You know, derp. You're you're limited by your perception, um, in that respect. Right, because you're yeah. telling yourself a story right. about something. Right? Yeah, you've made it up. You, you're you're learning and you're learning from your past experience. You you're only. And that's the I think that's the the fault of, of, of ourselves sometimes because we're a lot of times we're only the story of our past. Yeah. Yeah. Or how we're interpreting that and how right. we remember it. And right. you know, we I have found many times and then there's been art dedicated to this like Rashomon and mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and shittier stuff that you really don't remember it the way it happened. Right. You know? Exactly. And the longer time, and the more it reinforces the, some fucking story right. you've become committed to, the right. more you, you Right. Know. No, you don't remember being in your crib at three months old. I told right. you that story eight, you know. Right. So the thing, the thing to me is like, there's this, it's also a, a you know a crossroads a balancing act right right because you do have to operate in this consensual reality that right. we use in order to conduct our affairs right. to communicate right to and you don't have to pull that whole fucking thing apart all the goddamn time you can just let the tools be the tools and use the tools and then there's a time and a place for saying i don't need to take this all for granted as the thing right you know it's it's a it's like Language, for instance, you know, you, you, this is really crazy how a bunch of monkey sounds got turned into this thing that you and I find intelligible, right. you know, and at some point you can say, you know, that English word isn't the thing, you know, like if you say that's a, that, that there is an electron. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just what we call it. So right. we can both agree on, on when we're trying on to talk about something right. else, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you have to be, you have to recognize how much your interpretation of reality is optional. And I think you have mm-hmm. a taste for that as I do. Yeah. When you get I, knocked out of that, the assumptions you're making, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and you go, oh, wait a minute, there's another way of looking at this, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And, and I think that's what keeps, an artist b- keeping on being an artist mm-hmm. and not get so cynical cuz mm-hmm. you can get, it's so easy to be cynical about your life you're goddamn and, right and, it and, is and, and, and the and and just everything you know my wife and I were sitting down watching TV today just a little while ago and we were watching um 
Comcast on demand or whatever, and we were watching some TV show that had this Target ad, and this new music came on with the Target ad, and it was like just it was painful. It was like was it nails that fucking on a... U2 song? No, it was like some. <laughs> It was like some girls that were singing like Japanese chipmunks or something in the back of. Oh, the metal is it baby metal? No, I don't know because it was it was it was electronic stuff going mm-hmm. on and it's just like it. What is that? It, that's not music. Mm-hmm. What I don't I don't think. But you know, but I bet the kids mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was like, man. That is an old man talking, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, and she was like, no, 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 it, it really, music really does suck now, and I'm like, well, hold on, you know, well, maybe it does, okay, we'll, we'll go there, but, but I think to myself, like, well, can I afford to talk, you know, to, to, to think like that, or... <laughs> am I am I gonna be the old man, you know, trying to be like, oh yeah, this well, is great, you know? like not if you catch it, like you don't have to. I mean, I have that same thought, right? Yeah. Like, and then I say, well, I'm not. That's not me right now. They're in that phase that I had to go through before I got to this phase, right? And that's for them. No, I think that too, and I, I feel like that too. And but you know, and it's not right or wrong, and it's not yeah. linear, right? Yeah. But. I, I more and more see it that we all have sort of these different jobs to do in our kind of collective consciousness. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. and and I used to think that was a very weird, ungraspable concept to mm-hmm. think about. But the more connected we are on Facebook and social media and stuff, it's like, you know, we can become like Herman's head as real people where right. there are all these different people sort of, well, that's the guy for that. Right. And this is the guy for this. Right. And they all in you know, inhabit different parts of my psyche. You know, I, that's my go-to for when I want that. And, and so it, as, as we get into the middle, you know, 30s and 40s and stuff, we're, we're playing the role, you know, of, right. of like, okay, there's a different um, kind of alchemy that goes on at this point that has to do with like you're not saying fuck you to everything. Right. You're starting to get some respect for right. things that you used to eschew. Right. You know, you become less iconoclastic. You gain greater appreciation for the whole history of stuff right how it's all gone together so that's like your job so what you do is focus on your job right and don't focus on the job of so the what happens in our 50s 60s and 70s though that's what i well man i you know i have to share it to with you when we're done i watched this great thing it's a whole series of joseph campbell's um talks called mythos yes and yes, uh, one I... of them he's he puts this model up and it kind of talks about the different phases that i don't know where it came from of of life and i'm not right. saying i'm committed to believing that that but it makes a certain sense yeah that, you know what he says in most cultures they really admire the old and the job right. you know the, the old people have right. done have finished with their job of like lifting shit and making shit well that's how yoda was invented wasn't it well that's he embodies that right right and he embodies the the wisdom and so in your 60s and 70s if the culture is you need to find the culture to be a part of right. because our mainstream culture, of course, is going to say that you're no longer valid. You're not. You're worthless. Right. But if you you can find places where right. you play the role of now you're this other level of right. filter for all this shit. And I think Joseph you know? Campbell would say you'd find your tribe. Right. And uh, and you play the role of the elder right. in it and the beginner. Right. You know, because this shit right. ain't it ain't linear. Right. You know, it it is cyclical, and we know that things grow and they die and they they re-pollinate uh, and they fertilize and then right. something else grows so that's destiny 
for sure that like <laughs> you're gonna die yes but you're also not gonna die right you know right like not in that sense that you're gonna float up with a harp and some angel wings right but every single molecule that makes you cannot be neither created, created nor, destroyed. nor destroyed right so yeah. it's going to continue to exist and it right. might get to be this and it's going to get to be that and all these different things right so the destiny like I decide not to worry about that stuff. Like, what's going to happen after I die, and you know, and 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 to have some idea that there's a story that I'm supposed to find my feet in, and if I don't, I miss it. Right. No, I, I try to commit to like what's going on right. and say that's what destiny is. It's what's occurring. I wonder if that's my car going off. You know, it might be. You want me to pause? And... Pause this and, and let's let's make sure it's not my car, because that would. <laughs> car is fine. It wasn't his car. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, but uh, anyway, man. Well, I, what you made know, you ask the question about destiny? Anyway, I, I, you know, I don't know. I just I'm I'm about to have a my first born. Uh, I have a. Daughter. Oh, the kid isn't born yet. Had, You're, not real not close. born yet. Uh, She's due on the 31st. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to have a daughter. And I'm just getting very reflexive right now. Mm-hmm. And very, like, anticipatory. Um, and along with just, you know, total freakouts of I'm about to be a real dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the first time. Not uh, not a um, you know I'm a teacher, and I feel like sometimes I'm a I'm a dad to some of the kids that I teach. Uh huh. But, um, but this is the real thing, you know. And I I think that I'm just in that mindset now of like of and I'm not second guessing myself, but I'm back to back to feeling. The way I think, I don't know. Sometimes when I feel creative, like what what is the point of this? What yeah. we, uh, what, what um, am I doing it right? All right. You know, am I doing this right? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Not to say that you know, I'm, and I'm not saying that that has nothing to do with like me having the physical child. Right. It's just you know myself going, you know, just having those first time dad question and the existential like you know this is middle age dude you know well yeah (laughs) you know um and it gets to be longer for us that period that they call that i guess so i guess so and um yeah i i I don't know man i'm I'm just uh I'm, i'm i'm asking myself these questions and i think it's taken me um to sit in in the psychiatric uh the, the psychiatrist's chair here to uh, mm-hmm. to, th- to, to hear yourself to think hear myself talk, think right? about that mm-hmm. yeah um um linearly like you know we're talking about my past and i'm like oh yeah oh wow no that that makes sense that's real oh put two and two together and um I love that stuff. Yeah, I love that stuff. You know, I love I love figuring out like you know the how the puzzle fits. Mm-hmm. And you know if it is a puzzle. Right. It, it, it's that's the, the yeah again that balance to me like of you have a working model like a, a rough sketch right. of it 
But you also need not to be committed to that sketch as being, okay, this is the thing. I need to pour concrete on this. That's right. You know, it's live, per- and, and live in the now, I guess, right? right? You know, right. and um, so that's what I'm trying to do now is live in the now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the only thing that exists. It is the only thing <laughs> that exists because, yeah, like we were saying, the past that's is not perception. There. And the future is not there. Exactly. That's There's an old saying: well. that if you have one foot in the past and one foot in the future, you're pissing on the present. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't piss on any presents, mm-hmm. man. They're they're for you. That's and you know, I mean, there's a whole lot of play on word shit that you can do with that, like <laughs> present, <laughs> as in gift, like right now. This is the thing. Hold Let on. it occur, you know. And I've heard this kind of be- like shit from. I have an uncle that's in Est and landmark forum and he's been feeding me this crap since i was like you know a kid like I, he would not let me take for granted any semantics that came out of my mouth and right. he would hit me with you know you're not because you're being the cause you know and he always this <laughs> fucking yoda shit for me like there is no try only do or do not i love that though I, See? it is i love it, that it's stuck and i and, and yeah. it is an important thing to have in there to yeah. run through the filter because if you don't like I, I just think there's freedom and there's and there's imprisonment. You know, yeah. you can be imprisoned by your per- perceptions or you can be freed by them. And like the biggest freedom I have right now is like I was when I was 38, I thought I was fucking done. Like I had hit the See? end of the road. Yeah. I had ruined my life. I had wasted every all the opportunities right. I'd ever had, and um, it was over. But right. for the first time in my life, I started listening to other people who were saying no. See. Just yeah. get your shit together. That's, <laughs> see, and, and you know what? My, my band now consists of older guys than me. And I've got some you know, guys that are you know, a couple years younger than me in there, too. But I have two guys that are... One is, um, is almost exactly 10 years older than me. And another guy who is about 15, 16 years older than me. And so one guy's in his 40s, late, later 40s. One guy's in his you know, mid 50s. And they all have, and they're, but they're, I mean, we're both, we're, we're all playing rock and roll, mm-hmm. you know. But I love it because I feel like I've got some older brothers now mm-hmm. who, you know, and I remember talking to this guitar player that's playing with me now um, 10 years ago when I worked with him um, at a music store. And, uh, I said, you know, and this is when, it, God, man, this is when I was 27. I was, I felt over the hill at 27, mm-hmm. you know. I'm and already it, at the age where my heroes died, dude. And right, right. <laughs> and and he goes, man, don't think that way. He said, I think at that time he was like my age, mm-hmm. you know. He was like, I'm 38, and I thought that way at your your age, and I stopped playing music for a while and. I just now realized, man, I had all this time. Mm-hmm. I had 10 good years left in me mm-hmm. that I just wasted. Mm-hmm. But here he is now, 10 years later, and he's still doing it. Yeah. And he's the one that I wanted because, I mean, he's the sage that, like, he understands that. Right. And he's been... So all these guys that I have playing with me now understand that and have been through that. And it's like, you know, and they're not afraid to take risks anymore. Yeah. And what's really cool is if you can fucking listen to that and process it and make it available to you to do something with now. Because there's an awful lot of people that are totally fucking hard-headed and they're like, well, that's you. I'm me. 
you know, yeah. and don't see any connection. And, and you know? I'm I'm me too, but mm-hmm. see, that's the thing. I'm, you know, I guess that. that you, there's it. a, I mean, man, that's again, like that's the balance. Like, no matter how hard you tried, you could not play um, a Ramones song exactly like the Ramones played it. Right. No matter oh, how yeah. simple the song is yeah. or complicated, you could not because, and and instead of it being that being a a bad thing, that should be the thing is like no matter how hard you try, you right. cannot be your not be your authentic self. So. Right. Stop saying, oh, my ability to either fit into or not fit into whatever the zeitgeist is right, right now is that's not the measuring stick. It's right. like how many of the things that I think don't fit in that fashionable picture, right. I need to really bring those things in because right. that's what's going to make me me. Right. I mean, it is me, but that's really what's going to like distinguish my voice. Right. You know? And like um, that's that's the best part of the practice I think of, of art in general is yes. like giving yourself permission to put all these things that someone else might say, no, that doesn't go there. That doesn't go together. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Whatever. That's all you got, yeah. you know, is the, is the weird mixture that's you. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a very scary and exciting thing and you just have to be up for the challenge for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. And I like what you were saying about painting. I mean, I, I'm not, I have not committed to any art form other than the thinking that goes along with it. Yeah. And I do it now by having these conversations. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but I took painting and what I loved, I used to draw and I wanted to draw the perfect superhero when right. I was a kid. I, that's Me too. what I Me too. focused on. Yeah. I have how to draw comics of Marvel way downstairs. I have, I've got that. I taught that to my kids. <laughs> it's I good. Tried to, it's a good book. Least, yeah. yeah. But um, gradually I got into when I was, I started um, I took great art classes in high school, uh-huh. and I had a great art teacher, and I loved that I could start putting paint on a canvas and not know what, what I wanted mm-hmm. it to be, and mm-hmm. then I could gradually say, oh, that reminds me of that. I can build on it. I can paint yeah. over it. Yeah. I didn't have to erase it. Yeah. I could just cover it. You could just it. cover it over. Yeah. Right. And the more yeah. layers of paint, the better. Yeah. And the only problem is that that's expensive, yes. all that acrylic paint or oil paint. Right. And now we have this thing where we can work like that, and all it's being used is zeros and is, ones. Is right. It's just it's right. endlessly recyclable. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. material has been wasted in exactly, the yeah. making of this thing. Yeah. And so we were more and more like. I mean, there was a feeling like if you're going to record something in a studio, you better fucking get it right because that tape is yes. expensive and yeah. the time is expensive yeah. and all of that. There's the super saturation of of the music scene right there, uh, in in a nutshell, because it is so easy to make yourself perfect. Yeah. And I think there's a false perfect. False perfect, and mm-hmm. I think there's um. It's problematic, you know, because you know when we're talking about showing who you are. I mean, don't you want to show, you know, when when you're secure enough, when we when we, when we are in our later 30s or whenever i mean mm-hmm. some i mean i'm whenever sure there's some, to get i'm secure. sure there's some you know <laughs> there's some cocksure 15 year olds out there that yeah. are like i know what i'm doing you know i know what i'm doing mm-hmm. and i'm cool with that you want to give me some advice i'm cool they with were. that too jimmy hendrix was one of them right except he was supposedly pretty insecure but maybe anyway. so but yeah i mean you know and then there's always that balance but you know you got to know your stuff too and um I think that the 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 issue now with popular culture is everything's just too shi- so shiny mm-hmm. that we have we're we're not looking beyond the shine anymore. Well, it's not you and me, and I think I I actually like that 
pop culture is less relevant or or insistent than it's ever been before because we really have so many other choices. Right. If you don't fucking like Miley Cyrus or whatever, yeah. You don't have to hear that. Exactly. And you can connect immediately with people who can turn you on to shit you do dig. Right. And there are endless options to connect with stuff that's got... So whatever the fuck those people want to do and try to keep holding on to that, like... It's just... It's it's an enigma to me, though. Like, how did that happen? How did that... And I think that's why... How did what happen? How how did... How did popular music get to the state it's in now? Well, yeah, and and because people keep trying to figure out the formula, right. to sell the thing because they don't care about music, they right. care about money. Well, they care about that, and they say, well, let's add a little bit more compression to it, and I think that and know, cowbell and, and and more cowbell. Mm-hmm. I think we're onto something, though. I think more. I think cowbell music. With compression, dude. I well, right. yeah. A compressed cowbell is a good thing, and there is a monster magnet record where, he's, <laughs> you know, I See, believe he accomplishes that. He's already done. Yeah, Damn. Either a flange Damn. or a cowbell. <laughs> but what I like, what I want to encourage, right, yeah. is yeah. the idea that there are no authorities in making art or music or any of that shit, right. and that everybody should try it. And like, so I got this thing going in order to, yes. you know. You and I are as fucking relevant as Barack Obama and Charlie Rose. You know, what what you and I are talking about is just as relevant as what's being broadcast on CNN or whatever else. And it's, you know, in fact, maybe more so because it actually, we we live in Richmond. So the people living to this, we're going to be more relevant to them and their specific things. Um, And I like identifying that and saying that you and I don't have to have accomplished anything to be somebody worth listening to on a podcast, right? Cool with that. And next, I am building a jam room in here, and it's going to be full of junk. Nice. I bought a $100 drum kit from a lawn near your house, actually. Okay. Uh, I have a a cabinet I got for $25 from Peter Frank. Actually, it might even be $20. My friend Tab's going to bring some equipment. I'm just going to assemble a bunch of shit in there. And I want people who don't think they can play music to come in there and play music. Nice. And I also want people who can play to play in there. <laughs> but I loved in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou that every time you turned around, yeah. somebody was singing yeah, or playing yeah, an yeah, instrument yeah, yeah. and there wasn't any big deal. Yeah. Like you could just be sitting in you know, the kitchen jam. You know, there's... That's what they did. That's what they did for entertainment. And yeah, I mean, it's gotten to the point where, you know, you could you could falsely be a, you know, like we're saying, you, you could you could... I don't know. Are only I, I, porn stars allowed to have sex? Everybody has sex, and everybody plays. <laughs> everybody plays music, right? You know, right? And the right. way that porn stars have sex is bullshit, right? <laughs> you know, the way that you do it when you're doing it is a completely different thing, you know. And the personal experience of doing that, whether it's anything anybody else wants to hear or watch, is still valid, right? right? Okay. And that's the, you know, like that's the thing I want to. Yeah. I want everybody to have the chance to like. Be in a, a room with some people and try to make something that sounds like some kind of music. Well, that sounds you know? like a community right there. That sounds like that sounds that sounds like a good good plan, man. Um, I think it'd be I think it'd be good. It'd be good for me, cause like I won't do it by myself. You know, I won't sit around. I have guitars. I won't play them alone. Occasionally I will, but I'd much rather watch television. So do you feel like you're? I mean, do you feel the need to do this because you're becoming a little bit too cynical about? about your own no i'm not cynical stuff. at all i'm the, i'm i'm more hopeful i'm as i'm like a 10 year old awesome when it comes to shit like that that's awesome 
Yeah, I'm not, awesome. I have no. I think cynicism is pussy. Yeah, me you too. know shit now, and like I, you don't even know enough to be cynical. It's like absurd to think that you have the vantage point mm-hmm. to. It's, but it's part of a kind of a soul sickness that that people in like meditation practice they call the you know the inner critic, mm-hmm. you know, or the observer who yes. all of that shit that you're pointing outwardly is really a, a indication of your internal dissatisfaction right. and dis disease and right. unhappiness of course, and of course and that's always yeah that's a, yeah 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 so it's not like i'm some pollyanna and i'm like everything's all for the best in this best of all possible worlds no, like, it's just more courageous to me now all that badass shit i wanted to pump into being right. a cynical disaffected kind of a character you know in the 90s and whatever right. i say oh wow that was actually weak of me like i was afraid of things and oh, that's yeah. why i was being oh, like yeah. that oh yeah, yeah, yeah and to just fully be like embrace you know the the now and the people and right. all that crap that's more badass that's yes. that's actually the route of being a tough guy right to me you know yeah no i i, I totally agree with that and that you know and that um goes along with just the the true grit of wanting to find who you are mm-hmm. better yourself and and you know try to find i don't know i i try i i feel like you know i i go back to well now that i've found myself or now that i want i meant the want to find the comfortableness of myself how can I now help other people? Mm-hmm. That's a that's big growth right there, man. Yeah, and, and you so better too. be thinking like that because you're about ready to. I know. Be responsible I know. I'm for gonna somebody. Have, I know. I know. I know. I know. So it's 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 the real deal. It's not a not a dress rehearsal, as my father right. would say. Well, I will share with you some extremely wise words I read in Peter Baggy's comic book Hate, when Buddy Bradley found out that he'd gotten Lisa pregnant. And they were sitting in the truck after eating McDonald's, and they were. And Lisa was a nut job, and Buddy was a cynical, pissed off character. You uh-huh. remember? Do you ever read this comic book? No, I never. Oh, it's did. awesome. You gotta check I it out. I will. But I he will. said, you know what? Both of us had totally fucked up parents, and I guess we turned out semi okay. So how much more could we fuck it up? <laughs> <laughs> you know? The answer: a whole lot more. Well, no, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I think there's some liberation in the fact that you're not in control of all the variables of being a parent, you know? Yeah. Like you're, you can, you just got to, you know, be, do the best you can, but there's, you got to also embrace the chaos because that thing's going to have a life of its own and, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, just like you are. I know, I know, I know. But you're not going to, you're not going to fuck it up, man. I, I don't, you'd be I, you know, I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other yeah. and, uh. Hopefully she'll do the One same day thing. at a time. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess you know, we're, we're, we're right at a good spot to... Right, man. I do want to say something real quick. If yeah. you ever watch um, MeTV or uh, MyTV or whatever, it's like one of the digital channels when you don't have cable. Right, yeah, because we, yeah, we don't have cable. We just have, we have like um, people who have cable. Right. And those... Yeah, we have an antenna. We have right. a digital antenna. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, this is the channel that shows like Wonder Woman and all yeah, that. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I can't watch modern stuff that's on broadcast right now because it is so cynical, because yes. it's so fucked up, and it just has this feeling of neurosis all over it. 
Mm. And and I la- the other, last couple of nights I've turned that channel on and it's like Mash is on. Oh yeah. And Gilligan's Island and yeah. fucking F Troop, which I was like I'm not gonna watch this shit. <laughs> and <laughs> I was laughing. And you found yourself laughing at F Troop. Yeah. And, and and you know what? <laughs> the whole vibe of it all was yeah. so like, oh my god, dude. Like I just took a bong hit. I'm like, <laughs> it was chilling me out That's and making great. me feel so comfortable. And I was like, they were putting different shit in that in the water then. Like, and maybe yeah. you know, maybe people weren't as. I mean, we hadn't had an airplane fly into the yeah. twin towers, and we hadn't, you know, and we hadn't had the cycle come around and realize that we actually, as a nation, have to come wow. to terms with the fact that we kind of suck. You know, we, we're doing some sucky things. You know, you know the the last mash episode, I did cry. The end of the season, the, I mean, end, the series. The end of the series, I cry. I remember being a young kid, and I, I was, I cried. Because it was gonna be over. Yeah, because it was the last one, and my mom was like, "It's the last one." I'm like, "Are you kidding? What, huh?" And that was the sad fact, and and it because it 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 so was just like Alan Alda was like a second father. To yeah. Me, you know, those were the you know, and I don't think I I don't see any of that it sure doesn't seem and maybe that's more of this old guy stuff maybe but like i find it really hard to give myself over to what's being broadcast right now yeah like i feel anxiety about it this is absurd but when somebody says oh you ought to watch modern family i'm like "Ah." like i just can't do it it's funny but it's very we're we're talking about yeah we're if we're talking about cynicism and, and how it's you know that's that's the those are very cynical shows now they're funny Right, but they're very cynical. They're mocking every single. But yet it it ends up like I finally committed to watching Thirty Rock, and yeah. it turns out oh, there's a heart of gold here, right. and it's actually this great story about relationships, yeah, and, uh, yeah over yeah. time. And well, people, that's smart writing, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's and I think that's a diamond in the rough these yeah. days. And I think there's some shows in there that 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 do appear to have that. Just like there's music out there that appears to have that. And just like there's art out there that appears to have that. But they were, I mean, it was like the TV was kicking out dopamines. Like, I, I was totally yeah. fucking soothed by that shit. And I think it's maybe the whole, it's like the soundtrack of my childhood. So I'm maybe like back in my maybe, mom's kitchen. Yeah, maybe you you're know? just, yeah, back in your PJs and, and, and just kind of feeling, you know, so eating ramen noodles maybe. I, I, I was a little dishonest earlier when I said I'm totally like I'm 10-year-old. No, sometimes there is a part of me that is jaded that I have to keep, you know, saying knock it off, you know. Yeah. Because I can get stuck in a, a rut and be just like... You know, just go one day after another, going right. to work, coming home, yeah, and this kind of stuff. And well, what I have to do when I when I'm confronted with a um, with a child's behavior that is not to my liking. And how old are the kids? Uh, I, I, elementary school. Oh, and I teach elementary school art, mm-hmm. so I'm teaching five year olds to to be patient for the first time. Mm-hmm. You, I'm 38 years old. You're not going to be able to draw like me. Don't expect to draw like me. Yeah. And that blows their mind. But um, but that's an awesome place to. It is start right. Yeah. Start where you are. Right? Start where you are. And, and that's really it, what and, you're teaching. And it's, and it's, yeah. Oh yeah. And that's I, I think above anything else, I think that's what I'm. I'm a. Uh, I, I teach so much more than just art skills. I mean, it's it's love. Mm-hmm. Teaching love and teaching not to be so cynical, not to be, tr- or, or to be original. Be original. 
Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Yeah. Don't be, you know, a McDonald's cheeseburger. You know, and um, that's a very hard concept for them to to really. But it sounds like you're uh, in a in a good place to you know that's awesome. Thank you. Be able to make a difference yeah, there. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. So you can anybody yeah. can ask of you. Yeah, yeah. And that's 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 awesome stuff. And I think you know we have a better opportunity now to be. We actually can have the freedom that we've always been promised. Mm-hmm. And it's like Devo said, you know, freedom of choice is what you got. Freedom from choice is what you want. So many people have been wanted to be told what is good because it is so the unknown well what do i pick what's the right choice all of that kind of stuff you know it's very scary right you know but but i think we're growing up as a um as a species because we're so connected now yeah like and that we are the more connected we are the more we realize the things that we've been giving most of our focus to which is our fear of not fitting in or fear of not belonging or fear of somehow being wrong it's being proven wrong right. over and over again. You just, oh, I'm. This is a pretty common thing. So like, we stop putting so much energy into that mm-hmm. and put some energy into something constructive. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Let's yeah. get on with it. Yeah. Let's, let's build that warp drive so we can check out some other planets and right. fix this one and That's right. all that. Stop yeah. contemplating our belly buttons. <sighs> but our belly buttons so close to us, man. And and that and and. And that constellation's so far away. I mean, it's so only if you're thinking linearly, dude. Right. Because maybe time and space, you know, like if you figured out how to do it, you could slip between the strings and you could be there instantaneously. Man, I've been slipping between the strings since I was 12 (laughs) years old, man. All right. This is as good a place to stop as any. All right, man. Thanks, man. Thank you. Great little chat there, wasn't it? notice i didn't say yeah oh i just did so i would have a question for you guys and a request um a good friend of mine who i'm not gonna tell you who it's a girl girl i care about somebody i think is a very lovely person um had crashed her car and um can't really afford to have a crashed car on so many levels so i'm asking you listeners out there to get into a little dana and i don't know if you know what this word is look it up it's the indian sanskrit term of dana it's uh, charitable giving is another way of looking at it but check it out so a little dana make some a donation on my page go there i promise you i will not keep it for myself i will just pass it on to her and help her out with her crashed car and and the fallout from that so um in case you're wondering you know i got i got a i got a paypal thing on the tantric conversation website tantricconversation.com you go there and it says like donate up at the top or make a donation something like that you hit that go there as a paypal thing you can use a credit card to make a paypal payment and um like i i don't have enough money to give help her out as much as i'd like to i'm going to but um any of you out there that find it in your hearts to help out a struggling young lady um who just crashed her car uh do it be cool be righteous be excellent to each other and uh any little bit would help 
Any anything is welcome. Ten dollars, twenty dollars, fifty dollars. Hey, if you're so situated that you can do better than that, it would be wonderful. So uh, I appreciate it. And until next time, Namaste, motherfuckers. Say it at least once a day to somebody you see on the street that you find appalling. Bow to them and say Namaste. And recognize the divine in them that matches the divine in you, yo.